thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. When I was growing up, I was told that this object is an hourglass. Now, my assumption was is that when you turned it over, it was an hour by the time all the sand went through the little spout there. Well, this was my mom's, and so I inherited some things from my mom, and it said five minutes on it. And I thought, well, Mama, what were you thinking? That's an hour. Everybody knows that lasts an hour. So I decided to time it one day. And it was less than five minutes, though she had five minutes on there. And so I was reminded of something that you never need to assume anything. And we certainly should never assume how much time we have in this lifetime. Now, I want you to take a moment and I want you to look around at your neighbor. Okay, front, back, just look around just a minute. Don't talk to your neighbor, but just look at your neighbor just a minute. Don't make fun of what they're wearing. It might be just right for right now and their season in life. I just wanted you to do that just for a minute, and probably somebody looked looked at you is because everybody you looked at or that looked at you is leaving a legacy. I mean, we really are. It's either a a good legacy or a bad legacy or a not-so-good legacy. But everybody in this room or that's watching or that's alive, no matter what age, there is a legacy that we are building or that we have. Several weeks ago, I was in a small group, and we were talking about as a group of men, what it means to leave a legacy. A lot of good discussion, a lot of good information in there. And one of the things, and I quote, that described the fact that we're all leaving a legacy and how can that be defined is this. Everything we say and do leaves the imprint of our lives on those around us. We will be remembered for our attitude, presence, words, and actions that will either leave a pleasant fragrance or a putrid stench. And that can happen in just a nick of time. You might be around an individual at the grocery store or the ball game or graduation or an event tomorrow just for five minutes or an hour, and you may or may not be around that person ever again. But our attitudes, our words, our presence, or lack thereof, can leave uh, an imprint on the person's life. Legacy. This past week, I was invited to go to Danny Davis's retirement party that his company gave him on a Thursday, starting at 4.30, going through 7.30 at a restaurant in Jackson. And Danny Davis is a name that you may not 
know of, but Danny was an active and is an active deacon at Marson Heights Baptist Church in Clinton, Mississippi, where I served as a youth minister and a pastor later. And so as I was thinking about going to this particular retirement party that I'd been invited to and asked to say a prayer and say a few words about Danny, I was trying to think of a phrase, a word or a phrase that would describe my friend Danny Davis. And I thought, Deacon Danny, that worked. He was a, he's a servant. Deacon means servant, and that, that certainly could have happened and could have happened with Danny. I thought about Voice of the Arrows because for many years at the Clinton High football games, Danny Davis is the voice that you hear for decades announcing the games. But then I thought of this phrase, Mr. Consistency. The guy, steady. He served in this company since he was in his 20s, I mean, for decades. Steady in his job, steady in the church life as a deacon and a Sunday school teacher for junior high boys for many years. That deserves a badge right there. He, he just was steady as a husband. His wife has been walking through some physical challenges with cancer lately, been steady with his with his two children and his grandchildren, and as a friend, he's just Mr. Consistency. I, I thought about Danny as people were saying different things. I thought, this is kind of like being at your own funeral. You know, you have a chance to, to hear what people say about you. And I thought, man, what a legacy. And so what I want to do today is I want to, I want to talk about what it means to leave a legacy. Now, as we think about Memorial Day, we know that many people that we knew or somebody that we know that we knew that knew somebody, they gave their life for our freedom. That's leaving a legacy. So it just seems timely as we are at this particular weekend, As we are at the end of our series on Nehemiah, that we look at his life, we'll be reminded of several passages that we've looked at over these months and weeks, and we think about what it means to leave a legacy by looking and examining the scriptures and looking at what it looked like in his own life. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to chapter 13, first of all, chapter 13, I'm going to read verse 31b in just a minute. The latter part of that verse, as we land the plane on Nehemiah, the last verse of the last chapter of the book of Nehemiah, for the fourth and final time, Nehemiah offers a prayer. So keep that in mind, though that may not be one of the major points. Just know, if we are going to leave a kingdom legacy for God, where there's a ripple effect after we leave our, we breathe our last breath, it's going to involve someone that has a dynamic prayer life. Think of those in God's Word. Think of those that you've known that have gone on before you and think about, did they pray? More than likely, the answer would be yes. They prayed. They prayed. They prayed in the good times. They prayed in the bad times. They prayed in between times. They were just known to be a, a person of prayer. And so for the fourth time, he's praying and offering a prayer. He makes a request because he's done what he thought 
he was supposed to do in this prayer, and I'll not read the entire prayer this morning, And even though there may be little appreciation at times from the people that he led, despite his sacrifices, he knew that God would reward him appropriately. Do not grow weary, Galatians 6, 9 says, in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. So here we are at the end of of the book of Nehemiah. After the wall was rebuilt, there were good times. There were bad times. There were times where he had to exercise discipline. And there were times that he, too, like you, me at times, got discouraged. So at the very end, he's praying this prayer. And basically, he ends by saying, Dear God, I am flawed, I am not perfect, but I've done my best to follow your will. And whether people recognize it or not, or I get any pub or not, I'm trusting you to reward me appropriately. Please remember your servant, what I've done, what has been accomplished because of your grace in my life, and what could have been done. I trust you. And so the last few words say, remember me with favor, my God. Someone that lives for a legacy has the same prayer. God, remember me with favor. Even though I'm flawed, even though I've disappointed my family at times, even though I've made mistakes along the way, and I may have said something yesterday to somebody that I may not even realize has discouraged them. Dear God, remember me. I trust you and give me your favor in your timing and in your way and at the end of my life. In other words, he was implying that he had left a legacy, and he wanted God to remember him for his legacy. Some of you have had a loved one that you know that died in battle. Mine, or one that I know or knew fairly well, was Robert Blair. He died in Iraq. I posted something on my Facebook page. I usually do every Memorial Day weekend because whether you know him or not, I know him and his parents are still alive and his family are still alive and you have that person in your own life. And so especially this weekend, when we know people like that, we need to pray for their mom, their dad, their grandparents. That's part of what this is about. Robert Blair was a young man. And I remember he came in my office when I was pastoring in Florida because his granddad, uh, John and Penny Blair, were active in the church. And Robert would come when he was in town. And uh, John Blair was on the search committee that called me there. He was an active deacon. Penny was a hoot. Loved the Blairs. We always had a lot of of laugh, a lot of good times. And old Robert was about to go be in battle. He enlisted and he was going to Iraq. And so he was sharing his heart in my office about it. Just Just a young man. And then uh, he, he lost his life in battle, and I was honored and asked to do his funeral at First Baptist Ocala, 2006. I, I'll, never, I'll never forget that. And so when I think about Robert, just as you think about people this weekend, again, we think, wow, 
What a legacy. Because of people like Robert, because of people that are relatives of you, maybe a son or daughter, I'm still learning that, having only been here three months, and I'm sure I'll learn more about our own church family in our area. We're grateful because, as was said in the prayer by Phil, it gives us the freedom to stand here and speak, to talk about the Lord, though there's some countries that do not have that freedom. What a great analogy of being reminded that just because a Bible was found, they're in prison for life. That's foreign to us. It's hard for us to comprehend, but we should always remember and never forget. And I want to tell you something. We're in a spiritual battle as a Christian. So though we remember those and we honor those and we should, we must not remember that as a Christian, we're in a spiritual battle every day. You may be retired. You may be a coach, a teacher, a salesperson, a physician, work at the post office. I don't know what God calls, has called you to do or you may be in, involved in politics. I, I don't know. You may be a land surveyor. You may be in construction. Whatever it is, I pray it's because God has called you to that and you use it as a platform to be sought and light for him. But for whatever it is, we're all in a spiritual battle and we're all leaving a legacy. So today, what we're doing, though there could be four, five, six, seven points, but we only have so much time. I want us to look at three from our study of Nehemiah. Some of you come home from school, so maybe this will just be a little reminder for you. Number one, leaving a godly legacy, which is different than just a legacy. Number one, you care more about others than you do yourself. I go back to Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3 when Nehemiah was examining the destructive walls. They said to me, his homeboys, his people that he loved, his people were saying about the destruction of the walls of Jerusalem. They said to me as he was examining, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, Nehemiah said, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive to your your eyes, open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Now what do we see from Nehemiah right there? Nehemiah cared more about others. Listen, he had a job. He had what some would describe in the day a cush job, cupbearer to the king. He's doing good financially, other ways, family, in a great place. He was even respected and somewhat comfortable, though I'm sure he had his own challenges, just like we all do because we live in a depraved world. He had no reason to do what he did except one others he cared about others maybe you heard this poem one of my favorites is my father-in-law's favorite poem entitled others 
Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer will be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me live for others that I may be like thee. Jesus said, greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as yourself. Our greatest hero, our ultimate example as a believer is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It is good for us to look at different people and perhaps model them as a mentor or a hero of the faith, but we must never take our eyes on Jesus. He was the only one that was perfect. He is the only one that will not disappoint, folks. So never get your eyes on a person or a group of people. We're flawed. Keep your eyes on Christ. This is what 1 John says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Greatest sacrifice of all, Jesus. Others, legacy. We're constantly, as we're growing in Christ, understanding that we're to love other people. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You say, well, I'm going to start looking at my grandma or my grandpa and see if they're leaving a legacy as I'm learning this from Nehemiah. Maybe you'll do that tomorrow when you gather with family, which is certainly an appropriate part of, uh, of the weekend, not forgetting those that are hurting, but having a fun time. And maybe you're looking at grandma or grandpa and you're thinking, could I describe them with the word others? Maybe so, maybe not. But here's what you can do, and I can do. We have a way of making a difference about what kind of legacy we're building every day of our life. Listen, folks, it's not just during the big events or the big times. It's in the little times when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the gym, when you go to the classroom. Others, people know, people can read if we really, truly care about others. Now, we're going to miss it at times. And we all have different personalities. We have different things going on. But I'm telling you, over a period of time, when we know people, you can tell if they love other people. Secondly, how you leave a legacy? Think more about others than yourself. Number two, you're willing to live with criticism. Chapter 6. We've... Seen these guys over and over. When word came to send Balat, Tobiah, Geshep, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and Nehemiah, not a gap uh, in the wall, and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates. This is Nehemiah talking. Sam Balak and Geshep sent me this message Come, let us meet together. And one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them that this reply, I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. These guys continued to give Nehemiah, the leader who was trying to follow God's will, trouble and pushback. 
and they opposed him, it seemed, at every turn. He eventually told them he wasn't wasting time on junk that they were making up in their own heads. He constantly prayed, and he never stopped doing what God had called him to do. Legacy. When we think about people in the past, Hitler, he had a legacy. Wasn't that good? You think about Churchill, he had a legacy. You think about George W. Patton, he had a legacy. One of his most famous quotes, General Patton, was this. Lead me, follow me, or get out of my way. Now, I'm not implying Nehemiah took that approach, but I am suggesting after being willing to listen to the naysayers at first, he decided not to let them get in his way of doing God's will. If you want to truly leave a kingdom legacy, you must let Christ be boss. You cannot fear man. That doesn't mean you intentionally live life to try to tick people off or try to do something you can to make them upset with you so you can wear some kind of badge or, or pretend badge that you're just out there trying to, to, to get everybody not to like you because you love God. No, people know the difference. Jesus Christ met people where they were, and he loved people. And yet he certainly didn't please man. He pleased God, his Father. We want to leave a legacy? It's clear from Nehemiah, and I think it's so clear from others in Scripture. You love other people, but you please God, and you don't fear man. Galatians 1.10 puts it like this. Listen to this. Paul writing the church at Galatia. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Powerful word in God's word. Here's another one, and there's many. Here's a proverb 29, 25, very, very brief. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Proverbs 6 mentions six things that God hates despises, doesn't like. That'd be an interesting sermon or series sometime. Let's just point out one of them. Six things the Lord hates. Here's one. A heart that devises wicked schemes. That's what Nehemiah lived with. Those guys that had wicked schemes to oppose what God was leading him to do. Follow God. Love people, but let him call the shots. He's the boss. He's the leader. Follow his will. Know what he's saying in his word and apply it to your own life. Someone has said this. God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. When you're opposed by those, and they might 
mean no ill will. They might be trying to help you, and they may not realize that it is opposing what God is leading you to do. Realize God can use it in your life to fuel the conviction that God has given you to accomplish something or to be something that may, they may not understand. Use it for good. And thirdly, we see from Nehemiah, you accomplish kingdom-minded tasks that outlast you. Nehemiah 6.15, last week's text, it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Ulul in 52 days. The protective walls of Jerusalem were built. And by the way, there's a good possibility of some of those family members were older. Some of those family members that helped rebuild the protective walls didn't get to enjoy them for very long because life took them like that. I say, well, what, what might an example of that be today? I'll share what I believe one would be because I wasn't here. I had nothing to do with it. I was a part of one of these in the past, so I have a little bit of understanding of what you went through. I've referred to it before. I'll refer to it again because I think it was a huge step of faith as when East Haven relocated to this place. You see, as I understand it, part of the reason was that there was a landlock. God was working. You were full. You needed parking. There's a bunch of different reasons, but I think some of those seem to be some of the main things. And you took a a huge step of faith, and through a long journey, there were people that planted shade trees. And I dare say there probably were some that when you finally got over here may not have been able to enjoy all that journey very long because perhaps God took their life. That's an example. You see, that's what Nehemiah did. That's what others did. You say, well, that, that's part of leaving a legacy? Absolutely. It's investing in people that come behind us, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our community that we may love and that God's placed us in, that he's given a passion for, regardless of how long we've lived. By God's grace, until the Lord returns, there'll be people here. And so you want to think about and invest in people and projects. Whatever that may look like that has a ripple effect for the kingdom. That's exactly what Nehemiah did. And he gives us an idea about how to dream big for God. Let me throw out three, three or four things because we see this from Nehemiah. This is not a major point. So well, how, do I, how, do I, how do I dream big for God? How do I share it with my family? How do I share it maybe with my church family? How do I share it with my school? How do I, I share it with my, uh, my, my team to, to make sure we're making an impact? How, how do I do this? Here's what Nehemiah did. You do your research. You paint a picture, you appeal to people's hearts, and you share your story to inspire. You see, Nehemiah did his research. Remember all that? He examined the walls. He had others involved. He painted a picture of what could be. Imagine what can imagine what, what can happen, people, God's people, if we rebuild this protective wall and how it'll affect other people. He painted a picture. And then thirdly, he made an appeal to their hearts, not just their mind, but their hearts. And so when we want to do something big for God, and we want our family to be on board, or we want others to be on board, Nehemiah lays out a plan for us. 
Do your research. Paint a picture. Appeal to people's hearts, God's people's, people's hearts about things that God can do and share your story to inspire, to help them understand this is what God can do and this is why it's significant. Go for it because life is short. Leave a legacy. I uh, looked yesterday on my, my timeline on my Facebook page. Sometimes I remember to do that. Sometimes I forget. And sometimes I think, well, I'm not about to repost that, let people see that. My wife was acting crazy or my daughter was. I didn't do that. Of course, that's just the opposite, really. <laughs> Kelly's shaking her head. So yesterday, I looked at it, <clears throat> and in 2019, Memorial Day weekend, Kelly went to see her, her people in Alabama. I came to see my people, of course, living in Florida. I came to see my people in Mississippi. And so that means my uh, older two sisters and my older sister Kathy's husband and my older, my, 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 y'all, well, some of you knew some of my sisters, but man, they're like, they're like, I'm the, sh- let me just tell you this. I'm the shy one of the bunch of my mom my dad and my two sisters. I'm, I'm the more introverted and they, the, you think I'm, they're crazy. They were crazy. My sisters were. So, Kathy says, we're going to get how I got these rafts, these blow-up rafts, and we're going to race, you, me, and Karen, and Gary's going to video, Gary, Niall, her husband, physician at St. Dominic's at the time, so we're going we're gonna to video, and so we're going to go out to Lake Caroline, and we're going to race. I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I mean, I have a reputation. Get out there, my, my sisters, and. And race, and, you know, they're supposed to get in one raft, and I'm supposed to be the other. And, you know, they'd been eating, they ate a lot of donuts. And so, you know, this may not be good. This is not, may not be good. And so, I said, I'm not, you know, we're not, we don't do that. So, I, I, I got on the video, and Gary was interviewing it. You know, he was in, I was interviewing and acting crazy and interviewing my two sisters. This popped up on my timeline. And on the timeline, I was talking about, you know, now we're going to race. And I was just, you know, just acting crazy. And they were answering my questions. And I'm videoing this whole thing. And so about halfway through, I said, now, Kathy, I'm actually my older cat, my, my sister. I said, Kathy, why are, we, why are we doing this video? She said, you know, like, I don't really know. I said, well, we're making memories. And, y'all, this is what I said. And I'd forgotten I said it. I told Kelly. And I didn't repost it because... It's still tender with their children. But I said in jest, I said, because life's short and we're all going to die. And they just kind of, you know, laughed. And Kathy said, yeah, but maybe not today in the raft. Maybe Jesus will come back. That's what they said. That was just 2019. So reality hit, I thought. Out of the five of us that were out there, Gary videoing, my two sisters, no, that's, that's four, isn't it? Is that four? Yeah, I did my math. Uh, <clears throat> I never was good at math, Fletcher. So out of the four of us, 
I mean, by God's grace, right now, I'm, I'm the only one living. It happened just like that. So we have, we have no idea. Now, I don't share that to make you feel sorry for me. I know where they are and have a time to grieve. And, and as we work through the grief of loved ones, it can bring a smile on our face because we have those memories. Make memories with your family and your friends and your church family when you can because you never, I'm telling you, you never know. I would have never said that had I known the reality of what was going on. So make memories. It's good. Take those pictures. Do those videos. It's good. But remember, we're all leaving a legacy. And what we do in relationship to our love for God and our love for people and kingdom-minded projects, whatever that may look like, is what really matters after we leave. God, I thank you for the spiritual warriors that are in this room or watching by Facebook. God, I thank you for challenging us through Nehemiah all these weeks and months to live for you no matter what other people think and not to hold back because of insecurities to do something big for you. God, you're a big God. And you use so often the weak to confound the strong. So God, we want to be your army. We want to enjoy life. And we want you to be our boss. And, Lord, we need your help. So I pray that as we remember those that fought for our freedom this weekend and as we have fun and make new memories, that, God, you'll just just remind us even more that every day, every moment, every little thing, big thing, everything counts with our legacy. Help us to think ahead of what others might say about us or put on that epitaph when our days are gone, which, God, We don't know when that is. But we know that you have perfect timing. So God, we just give you praise today. During this invitation, may your will be done and may we praise and sing you. Sing your praises to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand for our invitation.